Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day of your life. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm the author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is www.thementalhealthgym. It is your source of all sorts of information related to positive psychology, rejuvenating, and leading your life to be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. As followers of the podcast know, we always try to bring you interesting, informative guests who lead their own lives enthusiastically and can provide a different perspective on how you can bring enthusiasm into your life and maximize your potential to be the best version of yourself. And today's guest is no exception. Today we are featuring Douglas C. Sohn, or Doug, as I'm going to be referring to him. Doug is a trial lawyer, mediator, entrepreneur, inventor, patent holder, husband, father, martial artist, photographer, guitarist, and student of human potential. And actually, we're going to be talking about some things beyond any of these sorts of things because Doug is launching in kind of a new direction that we'll let him tell you about. But Doug has a company that is called Success After 60, which is also his Facebook page. So as you can tell, I don't really have to stretch to see how Doug fits into our space and our podcast. So Doug, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Good morning, Ron, and it's a great pleasure and an honor to be on your show. I really appreciate you reaching out to me. Great. We're really thrilled to have you with us. I know you're going to be very enlightening to all of us. I mentioned quite a few things in introducing you, uh, so I guess one of the things I'm wondering is, what do you do when you get out of bed in the morning? How do you spend <laughs> your day? Well, actually, and that sort of leads into much of the topic that is your area of specialization. I'm, by the way, I'm reading Rejuvenating. It's a great book. I'm looking very much forward to finishing the book and being able to increase my level of understanding about how all this works. But I start out my day very much with intent. I kind of follow that rule of I don't look at my phone for the first 30 minutes. And then I have what is referred to by, I don't know if you know of Tony Robbins or not, many people in this field do. Uh, it's called a priming session. And it involves a bit of exercise, breathing exercise, large dose of gratitude, which as we all know is extremely important. And then visualizing what it is that I intend to accomplish in the near and, and even the distant future. And that's how I start my day. It gets me in the right frame of mind. The right mental attitude is, of course, really important. I'm sure this is, all fits in very much with what you've taught and you are teaching in terms of how your attitude affects your life in general and how you can control that, which is, I think that's, that's an extremely key point that you've made. So that's how I start my day. Critically important. And then are you still practicing law or, I mean, some of the things you're talking about when we think about a typical lawyer, this starting the day in this warm and fuzzy manner doesn't necessarily pop into <laughs> mind. I'm, I'm wondering now that you've centered yourself, where do you go from there? 
it's true. Lawyers don't have kind of a warm and fuzzy public image. I'm going to try to be different from that. I am still practicing full-time. I am fortunate that I've been able to build the kind of practice that I can operate from home, which, of course, uh, I guess sort of coincidentally has come to be an extremely valuable thing to, to accomplish during you know this COVID crisis. So fortunately, I, I have not really had to change my procedures very much at all. And the rest of the world has uh, changed to, to your way of doing it. <laughs> exactly. I do do my client interviews via Zoom meeting like we're doing here, but that's about all that's changed. And I do what's called Lemon Law. I help people take a car that turns out to be bad. I get that bought back. So from my perspective, the value of that kind of practice is that I'm helping people. And that's part of what attracted me to that. I've been in practice 42 years, and I've been doing this lemon law practice for about 20 years. But I think that what gives me the most satisfaction is to actually be able to do something for somebody else. And I'm sure that's very much the reason that you're in the field that you are in, is you feel that the work that you do benefits other people and you can actually get involved in somebody's life in whatever fashion is appropriate and solve a problem for them or make their overall life better, anything to do in terms of service. And I think that is an extremely important concept. I've got a little plaque on my desk that says service is the fuel. And that is actually been sort of a key concept for me, that that is actually what provides you the fuel for your life and the energy, at least for my life. That's how I feel the majority of my day so far is still practicing law. And I'm pretty sure you can practice law and be a nice guy and all that and, <laughs> and be committed to service. But it sounds like you've kind of taken a little deeper dive into the human potential area and development and helping others outside of the law practice. I'm a little bit, well, a lot interested in your journey from, you know, I assume making a career choice, pursuing it, getting in, involved in it, raising a family and so on, to taking that next step, which is almost sounds like a second full-time job, even though that may not pay the bills yet at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let me tell you how I got there. I'll give you a little background first, then tell you what it is that I'm doing now, if that's okay. I've actually been a student of the field of human potential development for about 40 years, starting back with the old Earl Nightingale. You know, you become what you think about all day long, up through Brian Tracy and then uh, into Tony Robbins. I studied that in terms of being able to apply it to my own life. And over that entire four-decade time span from my 20s through today, I have done that. I've, I've studied those different leaders in, in those areas of human potential development and applied it specifically to my own life and seen the results. Obviously, never doing it perfectly. You know, and there have been times when things haven't worked out, and that's when you learn the most, <laughs> as, as I'm sure many people have experienced. But I've had sort of a pivotal moment this past year, actually just back in February, my wife and I were about to celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary, and we had a plan for a party. We were going to renew our vows. We had friends coming over. And about two days before that party, I found myself in the hospital. I suffered, it's called a TIA, mini-stroke. I'm sure you're familiar with it if your yes. audience is. And it's kind of like a stroke, but it tends to not leave any permanent damage. And in my case, it did not, fortunately. 
But what it did end up with was I wasn't able to leave the hospital for a few days. So we celebrated our 40th anniversary in a hospital room with just my kids around us. I have five with my wife, Sherry. I also have a previous marriage and a previous child. But my wife and five kids were around me celebrating our 40th anniversary, a little different setting than we had planned. And like many people, that's, that was a wake-up moment for me in a couple of regards. First of all, after going through that and then, then back at home doing my end-of-life planning, has a tendency to kind of make you evaluate your life. And I realized a couple things. One, that there were things that I still had not accomplished in my life. And two, that despite all this learning and training and, and knowledge that I had, I sort of plateaued in terms of my personal development. So what that led me to conclude and to commit to was that I needed to stop and take a look back at all the things that I had already learned about human potential development, and then to go out and find the latest cutting edge technology. Some of the things you talk about in your book, like brain plasticity, and the really exciting new learnings we have about how the brain actually works and can still grow. And as I was thinking through all of that, I realized, you know, I have applied a lot of this already in my life, and I'm planning on applying more. And this is something that I think other people in my age group, our age group, have experienced is that sort of that reaching a plateau. And I thought that through a bit more, and I thought, well, I think there may be a reason for that in that society in general has a tendency to encourage that sort of attitude on our part. You get in your 60s, it's time to sort of coast now. You're really not going to grow a whole lot more, accomplish a whole lot more. But I thought about that and thought to myself, why? That's not the way I view life, and that's not what I want to do. And if there are other people experiencing the same thing, and I can take these things that I have learned and I'm learning and share that with them and help them change their attitude about life, then that's something that I should do. So at age 67, I decided that I was going to embark on a new career being a teacher of these concepts of human potential development to people in my own age group to help dispel that, that sort of assumed plateauing kind of attitude. So that's what I'm doing. Wonderful. First of all, congratulations on... on 40 years. My wife and I are approaching 50, and I know 40 is, is quite an accomplishment and one that not everybody attains. Secondly, it's you know really wonderful role modeling to see how you turn a, a misfortune into something that's going to help a lot of other people moving forward. Just as a bit of an aside, just in, in terms of doing my own research for presentations and so on, I Look back and found that when the year I was born, the expectation for a male child was just under 60 years of life, and Social Security had kicked in like a couple of years before the law was passed, which already at that time made 65 the retirement age. So, you know, I think many of us grew up at a time when the expectation was if you were going to get to retirement age probably wouldn't be staying around too much longer. And the reality is that right now, somebody who is 65, life expectancy is another 18 years. And certainly for many people, it's going to be longer than that. So what you're doing is really, really important, really wonderful. People in the 60s really need to start thinking differently if they're not doing so already. So what's this going to look like then? You know, when you take some of your ideas and project forward a year or two. How are you going to have this influence on other people? Well, here's what I'm doing and where I'm going to go. Right now, I have a Facebook page, and I'm going to develop that into a Facebook group. 
We have a couple hundred people at this point that are involved. And I'm starting to sort of share these concepts. But backing up a minute, the first thing that I'm doing is interacting with people in my age group on Facebook and finding out what their concerns are and finding out what questions they have. And at certain points, offering some suggestions and some potential answers for those things. But getting a a really good understanding of what it is that the people who are potentially in my audience, if you will, would be interested in. I make sure that what I am teaching and conveying is something that they will find valuable in their lives. So then what I'm going to be doing for the next phase is uh, developing a series of podcasts, probably on Facebook, because I find many of the people in my age group are on Facebook, interviewing various thought leaders. I would love to be able to interview you if you'd be available and be willing to do that. I think that would be super valuable for the people in my audience. And then move on to a different type of podcast where I'm teaching a particular concept on a particular podcast, doing it probably again on Facebook. And then I want to develop into a full day live video course where I've got three key concepts that I want to teach to people, provide that to them. And if I could do that in a live setting, then we can actually try to answer some of their questions during the live event. I think that would be pretty interesting. I think people would like that. Ultimately, my end goal, my dream is to be able to do live events. I would just love to be able to get up in front of 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 people and present these concepts and really feel like I am at least helping these people change their lives. That many people at one time, I think that would just be an amazing feeling. So that is the ultimate goal. And of course, you know, the world has to open back up again before that'll happen. But I think that the, the online events are certainly the way to go for the time being. So that's the concept. I, I visualize myself doing a live event within 12 months. Great, great. Well, before we quit, we're going to find out how people can reach you and stay in, in touch with you. So they'll be ready for you when, when you're ready for them. One of the questions as you were talking, that comes to mind, and I suspect the lawyer part of you probably has had to see this, in the past, but I think, you know, when people are in their 20s and 30s and 40s, you hear about saving for retirement, but it doesn't become a major issue for many of them, you know, unless their employer, you know, forces them to in some way. And I think to a large extent, this is kind of the emotional part of saving for retirement. I'm just wondering, you know, as you look back, you obviously have led a very active life and continue to do so. We fortunately have an audience that encompasses a broad age range. I'm wondering what advice you might have to somebody who's not there yet, who may be, you know, a couple of decades away from their 60s. What kinds of things can they do in terms of preparing themselves for moving forward as a continuation of an overall life plan? Is it a uh, basically a mindset thing or are there things you recommend from uh, – from a health standpoint or your own practices in the morning or whatever? It's a great question. And actually, I get sort of part of my answer from your book, Rejuvenating. And the, and the thing that you point out is that it's extremely important to understand that your different age levels are going to happen, whether or not you plan on it. And if you don't plan for it, then it's going to be a problem. But if you do plan for it, then it can turn out really well. And to my mind, it's about living with intention. 
It's about looking at the point in your life where you are and where you're coming to next and having the intention of arriving at that point in the best possible shape, emotionally, physically, financially, and taking responsibility for that. Mindset is obviously an important portion of that. That's why I'm, I'm so careful about how I start out my day because that sets your mindset. And what your frame of mind is has a tendency to affect how you see things, how you in, interpret what happens in your life and therefore what action you take in response to it. So if your intent is, you know, if you're looking at your later years and forming in your mind the concept of how you want to arrive there, having the intent of arriving there at the best possible version of yourself, and then making a plan for how you go about that and then taking action on that plan. To me, I think that's probably the best advice that I can give anybody at any age. Living with intention is just a, a real important phrase to live by. And, you know, there's so much that's packed into those few words. Let me ask you about kind of a, another group, which is the people who uh, kind of assume that they would retire and things would get taken care of. And at some point, it may be a little less challenging or fun as it may have appeared to be to uh, have a major part of your day devoted to figuring out which which TV show you're going to watch or, uh, you know, once the pills have been put into the separator, what else is there to do? And at the same time, I know sometimes we'll hear people give the the two excuse, T-O-O, that I'm too old or too emotional or I've been doing this all my life, you know, so that regardless of what the statistics say about obesity and smoking and longevity and, you know, and I've always kind of been the kind of person who keeps to himself, you know, what about the person who comes to this age range, people you're working with, but comes with some bad habits and probably a mindset that's not real oriented toward the fact that you're not really an old person when you're in your 60s. There's several challenges involved there. One of them is sort of getting over this, the feeling that many people have is, well, my life's okay. I really don't need to make any major changes. I mean, I've, I've got my little whatever place I have. I got my life. You know, I've got my TV. First of all, I'm afraid that they're going to find within a few years that just is not enough that sounds good and even maybe the first couple of years of it but i i really think that it is not going to be a satisfying life at that point and i think that part of the challenge well there are two things that are going on with that number one is what i talked about before was this whole societal sort of attitude and pressure for these people to feel that way that uh, once you get to a certain age you really aren't going to be able to accomplish anymore and there really is no more room for growth. And this old concept about the brain, that your brain is through growing by the time you're 25, you actually physically cannot grow any more brain cells, and so you can't effectively change. And that's what I find so exciting about the new science of brain plasticity and epigenetics and all that is we have found that it's not true. You can build new brain cells, new neural connections, as long as you're alive. If you can kind of take that objective kind of evidence and present that to people and sort of dispel this underlying concept, I think that will help them to grow. But part of the, the challenge that, that I've, I've found in, in talking to people now is that the whole idea of having dreams is, is a little daunting for some people at this age. And so one of the things that I've 
started taking a different approach of what this, well, maybe saying dream is just too large an idea, too daunting a concept. So how about change? If you can take a look at your life, and if there's anything about your life that you feel could be improved, even a small thing, is there some change that you can now put into effect that could make your life even a little bit better? And if they can start thinking along those lines and then actually start taking some actions and seeing the results, then that can lead them a little further down the line to the concept of feeling that their life can be improved and should be improved because if they do a little change here, oh, I thought my life was pretty good, but actually it's, this is a little bit better. And then kind of bring them, coax them along down the line to where maybe they can accept the concept of having dreams again and maybe reactivating their old dreams or creating new dreams. It's a process for some people because I can say of that sort of, I don't want to say brainwashing, but this sort of concept that people have, have drilled into their brain by society. One of the things that caught me that I like to share with people, this is something that a gentleman by the name Ed Milet, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. He's really well known in terms of uh, human potential development, uh, has podcasts, does live events. And he has this kind of a test in order to decide if he is satisfied with where he has gotten to himself in life. And he says, I think of myself at the end of my life. He's a very strong Christian gentleman, and I meet my maker. And at that moment, I am presented with somebody. And this somebody is the person that I had the potential to be if I had actually acted on all the, the skills that I was given at birth. And I want to feel, as I meet that person, that that is my twin. That's how I know that I have done well with my life. And what frightens me, he says, my worst nightmare, he says, is if I meet that person and they're a complete stranger because I haven't taken advantage of what I was given. And I think that is such a powerful image. And I think if people just stop and think that through, that maybe it can sort of shake that complacency of, well, my life is good enough. Because you get to the end of your life and they say, well, how was your life? Well, it was pretty good. That's terrible. <laughs> at least for me. I'm not sure everybody feels that way. But for me, and I suspect for you, say at the end of your life, well, that's a pretty good life. That's, that's just, that's not good enough. That is not taking advantage of what it is you have been given, the gifts that you were given. You've allowed to just sort of, you know, die. Yeah, that's uh, really kind of the, the whole basis for things like positive psychology. I mean, historically, mm -hmm. psychology and medicine, you know, if you went to a, a psychologist for anxiety or mm -hmm. depression or you had a fracture uh, and you, you saw a physician, the work was done if you got to neutral so that mm -hmm. you were less anxious, you learned how to control from getting panic attacks, your risk got joined effectively and so on. But the matter of striving and flourishing and so on, which is so exciting, you know, historically that hasn't been what we promoted. I'm really glad that you're out there to help to do this great service of spreading the word, which leads me to, uh, to a question of almost the opposite of what I asked before of, you know, somebody who isn't really maximizing their potential. I'm sure you're asked the same thing that I am often by people who maybe they're younger, maybe they're not, maybe they're working, maybe they aren't. Just kind of ask you, why do you do this? You know, doesn't it? I mean, it's almost like the way that if somebody goes to the gym on a regular basis, people who don't go can't understand why. 
I think for a lot of busy people, I know what my answer is, but you know, when we look at all the things that I've said about you during the introduction, why do you do this? And why are you taking on yet another thing that's going to keep you busy? To me, the end goal is to become the best possible version of myself. If the service that I can render to people is to help them become the best possible version of themselves, then I really feel like that's a successful life. And it's also an example and a legacy that I can leave for my children that people can actually become you know, constantly improving themselves so they can have a better life for themselves and to provide better service for other people and improve other people's lives. That to me is, that's really the definition of success. I mean, you know, we're called success after 60, but that doesn't necessarily or even, you know, largely involve what many people think of as success is, well, how much money do I have? How many things do I have? To me, success is living the best possible life and helping other people do the same thing. That's wonderful, wonderful advice and a really wonderful answer to the question. And I think with that, I think people can understand why I wanted you on this podcast. I look forward to the days when we'll be hopefully among the vanguard of people that people relate to when they think in terms of growing older with enthusiasm, maintaining a high activity level, being you know the best version of themselves, and continuing throughout their lives in that way. And this has been an absolutely, absolutely fascinating time for me to be interacting with you. I would like to... Uh, ask you though how you mentioned your Facebook page I would like to ask how people can get in touch with you or will be able to find you and so on we'll have this in the show notes but let's get it now too thanks Ron I really appreciate that and before I do that though I just want to let you know I've I have very much enjoyed our conversation and it's really exciting to me to to be able to talk to somebody who is really looking at life very much the way I do and and is taking on sort of that same task of helping people in our our age group. And I know your work extends throughout all age groups, but particularly for the people in the 60s and above, the fact that there's somebody else out there that agrees that this is a a time for development, not for for coasting. I think it's marvelous and and it's been a great conversation. But to answer your question, we are successafter60.org, both on Facebook and as the website. So successafter60, all in word. Okay, great. And I am looking forward to continuing to interact with you, to continue to to share ideas with you. And let's make sure that we get to the point where somebody reaches 60 and 65, 70, and it's kind of, you know, like, your 40th anniversary. It's, you know, it's, it's not a stopping point. It's, you know, it's something you note and then you, you keep making the marriage better, more exciting and so on. And I think it's the same thing with individual lives. So really Absolutely. looking forward to the wonderful things that you are doing and will continue to do and anything that we can do to help spread the word as, you know, your programs evolve more and so on. Hope you'll keep us in mind. Anyway, this has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, with our terrific guest today, Doug Summons. And we are looking forward to all the things that Doug is going to be providing 
for those of us who are past 60 as we continue to strive to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be. The podcast will be obviously available for downloading. We hope that you'll download, rate, review it, come back next time when we'll have another interesting guest. If you haven't picked up the book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm, I strongly encourage it for obvious reasons. Since I'm the author, it's available on Amazon. And again, please visit thementalhealthgym.com and interact with us, offer advice for future podcasts, interviewees, and so on. Until then, lead your life with enthusiasm, and we'll see you next time. Thanks again, Doug. Thanks, Rob.